and our current cultural freakouts over how modern dating is dead, perhaps nothing attracts more derision than selfies. Especially sexy selfies. You know the criticism. Selfies show you're narcissistic, you're slutty, you're self-absorbed, you're obsessed with getting attention. But Evian Whitney begs to differ. Hi, I am Evian Whitney. Um, I am a sexuality doula, um, a person who instigates other people's sexual awakenings and helps them step outside of shame and into their erotic power. And I also write about sexuality and have a podcast called The Sexually Liberated Woman. Evian fills her Instagram feed with sexy photos of herself, often naked or almost naked, captioned with affirming body positive words. She also leads workshops on taking sexy selfies called Sexting Myself, Radical Self-Love Via Sexy Self-Portraiture. Every workshop she's hosted so far has sold out. When it comes to my own body, I mean, I feel like that is... um that is a journey that I've taken in terms of taking up space and, and wanting to not keep my sexuality hidden. Because for so long, I was told that, you know, to be a sexual woman and to be very out and proud about that um, means that you are, uh, you're sinning or you're being gross or you're not being appropriate. A few months ago on her podcast, Evian did something really interesting. A few months ago on her podcast, Evian did something really interesting. She interviewed her mom about sex. The interview bridged a gap between Evian of the sexually empowered selfie generation and her mom, who comes from a very different perspective on dating. You know, my mom, she is a Christian woman. She's pretty Christian. Um, she's married to a pastor and, and she does her own church work. So I knew that she wasn't going to be super comfortable with this idea of me asking her like, how was your last orgasm? Which is a question that I ask all of my guests on my show. So I wanted to kind of stick to, um, you know, just the, the basics, like her story, which my mom loves talking about herself. She loves telling her stories and she, and she loves like um, being able to, uh, I guess, testify <laughs> about who she is and, and where she's come from as a way of like inspiring other people. So, um, so I asked her about it just, you know, very casually. And I really expected for her to say, heck no. Um, but she said, yes. How, how do you describe your own sexuality? Like, how do you identify these days? Oh, man. Um, I'm queer. Uh, I recently discovered, actually, yesterday, I discovered that I am a bratty bottom, <laughs> <laughs> which is um, which is a new label that I'm having fun playing with and, and exploring. Um, I practice non-monogamy. Uh, and I am also partnered. I've, I've been with my partner for almost 11 years and, um, we've created a really solid foundation that enables me to fully explore and express my sexuality, um, within these really, uh, free parameters of, you know, the relationship that we've created together. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how I identify. How does it feel for you these days when you post um, like a really sexy, like naked or scantily clad selfie on Instagram? Like what what is going through your brain? How does that feel to you? 
ever since the election and particularly within the last few months here in Portland, I feel like I've been, you know, kind of fighting against this these really dark and visible forces that are trying to tell me to keep myself small, that are trying to tell me that I don't belong here. So when I'm posting, I feel so empowered. I, I feel like in posting those pictures, I'm saying, hey, I'm here and I'm taking up space and I'm okay with this body that I inhabit. I mean, especially being a queer black woman, um, me being able to use my body in this way is a radical act. I mean, me being able to step into to this um, this limelight and say like look at my brown skin look at my almost naked brown skin I'm not ashamed of my body I am not ashamed of my sexuality or the space that it takes up in this world I mean that's radical and for me in a lot of ways sexy self-portraiture has been a way for me to resist well let's let's listen to you talking to your mom about sexuality yeah yeah that sounds good (laughs) Okay, a quick few things before we get started. My mom and I had this conversation in a fancy hotel suite on the coast of Oregon, so you might hear a little background noise. Another thing, my mom and I touch briefly on her sexual history, which includes non-consensual sex and glimpses of an abusive relationship. We don't go too deep into it, but if you think that hearing about a woman's experience of sexual trauma might be too triggering for you, Definitely take care of yourself and save this episode for another time. Okay, without further ado, here's my mom. Uh, Her name is Simone. This is so weird to be interviewing you. Why? Because you're my mom. I just totally love this. I just want to be a news reporter. Um, what was your first memory of sex or sexual energy? What do you mean by sexual energy? Well, I mean, like, like maybe, I don't know, maybe like you had a feeling of... Awareness? Yeah, like an awareness of sex. Sure. Like, what was your first memory of sex or your first sort of awareness that sex existed? I don't really think that... I had much of an awareness for quite a while because it was more taboo. I really don't think that I really even thought about it until maybe one day walking in on my parents. You walked in on Nona and Dadad? Yes, I did. And when I did, I was very confused by what I was seeing. How old were you? I probably was about seven, maybe. Oh my god, I had no idea. Seven or eight, and I was kind of a panic because I thought that something was wrong, and it seemed as if he was more on top of her, and I heard the heavy (laughs) breathing, which made me think that he was really in distress, or she was, or something. And so it really didn't hit me that they were enjoying one another. And then shortly after that, my sister and I were snooping underneath my parents' bed while they weren't home, uh-huh. and I found a magazine of different sex positions. And so we began to wow. look through the different pages and saw different sex positions, and yeah. What kind of sex talk did you have? 
we really didn't have a sex talk. Other really? than the only sex talk I had was more about your period and when you're old enough, this is what's going to happen and this is what you're going to need to do when it does happen. But it really wasn't any kind of sex talk whatsoever. Hmm. I think it came mainly from the upbringing that I had. Sex was very, very private. And it was not something that was seen as beautiful. It was more private. And you always kept it behind closed doors. What was your upbringing? Like, tell me more about that. Well, I was brought up in and raised in a very strict Christian home. Um, the majority of the beliefs were Bible-based, but yet at the same time, some of it was also family-based, where my family had certain beliefs about certain things. My mom was brought up by her mother, who was very, very strict in her beliefs about what women did and what women didn't do, what women should do, how women should act and how women should dress and how they should behave. Mm-hmm. Certain words were allowable, certain words weren't in reference to sex, in reference to a feminine, a female's body. I, I remember having a an older cousin. She was a little older, obviously, and more worldly, and she referred to them as titties. And I was like, what the heck is a titty? <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, <laughs> why do you call it a titty? Never heard of that before. Uh-huh. So that was kind of my, you know, the naivety of the situation. So you guys used, like, euphemisms to talk yeah. about your body. Yeah. Was it because of mostly, sh- like, a shame aspect, or did it come from just wanting to be, like, private? Like, you shouldn't say those words. I think it was, we were taught that you should never engage in talking about something that sounded like more of a grown-up talk Mm -hmm. and sex itself was not considered something beautiful it was more considered I guess maybe more worldly or more nasty Hmm. in some ways I mean like the vaginal area and women's private parts were called at the time it was like don't let anyone touch your poo-poo I mean that was just the way it Hmm. was Mm -hmm. and um, it was never, don't let anyone touch your breast. It was never that way. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone touch your private parts. Mm-hmm. So those were very, very, even with talking about being pregnant, we weren't allowed to say the word pregnant. It was, you have to say she's having a baby. So there was always certain things, even calling the word butt as your butt, we were saying, we were taught to say, you're behind. And mm. that was part of the upbringing that we were given. Don't be too grown. Be a child. Be simplistic and abide by, I guess you could say, the family rule of being very private with your your feelings and things like that. Did that ever bother you? Because like... No, because it, I was maybe more naive and didn't really even know what really existed. Yeah. I mean, the very first time I really was even aware of even what an erection was, was when I was about 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what an erection really was. I I was dating this guy, and as I was laying my head on his his lap, he told me he didn't like me doing that because it made him have an erection. And I was like, okay, I understand. 
I guess, but actually, <laughs> did you understand? I had no idea because <laughs> I went straight home and my twin sister and I actually looked up the dictionary of what I thought it was, and I was looking up the word eruption. Eruption? Trying to spell it. I mean, I had no idea what he said. I thought he said eruption. Uh-huh. And we figured out maybe it was, I mean, we went all throughout the dictionary and finally we found the word erection mm-hmm. and... And then we were both like in shock that that's what he said it was causing. It was just mind-boggling to think that that kind of thing actually really happened. My parents were not really affectionate. So to imagine sex and affection being one or close to the same, it was over my head. It was not something I really even thought about. So I assumed that you were a virgin until you got married. No. You were not a virgin when you got married. No. So what it sounds like your upbringing around sex was really like sheltered, really sort of like it happened to you, like you weren't an active participant. Like these are people that were trying to force themselves on you and you're like, oh, that's what an erection is or, oh, that's what an erect penis looks like. Like how how did you develop into a sexual adult like based on the like I guess what I'm asking is like how did you teach yourself about sex well can I back back up yeah in saying that I when you asked me was I a virgin before I got married I hopefully you knew that I wasn't but okay what I'm what I think I need to say to you is that the conversation that I had with your dad was do not admit to your girls that we had sex before we got married because then they would think that it's a free way for them to do it as well. So as much as I wanted to say that I, that we did, he would not allow for me to admit that we had. And basically it was more him forcing himself on me and me not really wanting him to touch me because still in this respect I sex was not something I really wanted to try I, I by this time I looked at sex like it was something deplorable or something that I really didn't want to experience yeah. so he thought that he was going to teach me what sex really was all about and how to find enjoyment in it so he was my first one mm-hmm But I was riddled with so much guilt after that time that I remember just crying because it was always my aim to be a virgin before I got married. And I felt like he took it away from me. I really honestly wasn't even sure that I liked it. I I just remember that it was more painful and more, it wasn't very stimulating to me. It was kind of like, okay, this is is what I've been waiting for all this time. (laughs) I mean, is this it? This is really what sex is all about? So, obviously, this is the first time I'm hearing this story, and um, I know, so I lost my virginity when I was 15, Mm -hmm. and when I lost my virginity, you guys flipped out. Yeah. Um, Daddy didn't speak to me for two weeks. I remember. He was very upset. Yeah. And one thing that I will never forget is him saying, like, "You, you should have been more like your mom. You should have waited until marriage like your mom. And so for me to hear that, like, you didn't even wait 
Yeah. I mean, do you feel guilty about that at all? Oh, like, yeah. knowing that, like, I shouldered so much guilt and shame and blame. Yeah, I do. And the only reason why I, I, if I had to do all over again, I would have taken that, that all back because I wanted to tell you. I wanted to tell you with every last bit of my being, this is not the case. You can tell her all you want to tell her, but it's not true. If I could go back to that day when you told us, I would tell you in a heartbeat. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mince anything, any of my words. I would tell you. But did you feel pressured at that time to be like, oh, well, wait, you know, actually, I had sex too. Back then, I think my pressure came from him, and yeah. he had much more control of. He had, he was basically he was controller and I was naive enough to give him that control I wanted to do so much more than what I did when I was with him I I should have protected you and I should have protected your sister differently I should have followed my own mind but a lot of the time I did not follow my own mind I gave him more of what he wanted to hear more than what I wanted to do and now that I'm of course not married to him any longer I see where my own mind should have taken me and I see where I should have done things differently and I should have admitted that to you and to Jeremy a long time ago. But at the same time, I was also very ashamed that I didn't live up to those standards. I thought that you guys looked at me like I was perfect and to admit that I was not perfect meant that I had to tell you guys that I wasn't. Well, I want you to know like I don't hold anything against you for that. I mean, I, what I will say is that if you had told me back then the truth, I don't think that my impression of you would have been tarnished or damaged. I think, if anything, that would have affirmed me and made me feel like you're human and that you made mistakes and that the mistake I made wasn't such a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Well, I appreciate you telling me the truth. That's, like, pretty major. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Mommy. Oh, you're welcome. Sharing your heart and these really personal things about you. Oh, no problem. I really appreciate it. Um, And, yeah, maybe we can have more sex talks in the future. (laughs) No problem. I mean... (laughs) You sound a little hesitant, like, I don't know. I'm not sure if I want to do this again. (laughs) No, I, I don't have a problem with it. I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just had this major conversation about sex and told my daughter some things about oral sex and all of that. And I just have to digest it all now. And wow. Yeah, maybe maybe we should have some more wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Evian's podcast is called The Sexually Liberated Woman. Go check it out. You can listen to her whole interview with her mom, which is about twice as long as what we played here. There are some really sweet and funny and honest moments in there. Next up, for a change of pace, we talk about not having sex. 